The police move to break up the Freedom Convoy, the legacy media spin into overdrive to cover for Trudeau during his time of need, and they remind us who the real heroes of the protest are themselves. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. So it's Fake News Friday, and we are going to get to all of our reactions and break down the biggest fake news stories of the week. But because there's so much news going on and there's so much going on right now on the ground in Ottawa, I wanted to give you a quick news update. So there's sort of three big things that are going on right now. First of all, it's Friday. They were supposed to do an emergency meeting in the House of Commons to discuss the Emergency Act. So the debate on the Emergency Act, we learned, was canceled. Why? Well, because of the Emergency Act. It's, it's just so ridiculous. So here is a story from Global News. Parliament Acts as Friday plans to meet over Emergencies Act amid police operations. So Speaker of the House, Anthony Rhoda, the Liberal, wrote the House of Commons will not sit today, Friday, February 18th. A police operation is expected in the downtown core of Ottawa. Given these exceptional circumstances and following discussion with all recognized party leadership, the sitting today is cancelled. So again, they cannot meet to discuss the Emergency Act because they've already executed the Emergency Act and there is a police operation going on. This is a total suspension of our democracy, of the rule of law, of liberalism in Canada. And the legacy media just sort of shrug it off. This was written into the global media piece. They write, while the House of Commons has been in hybrid format for much of the past two years, holding the session virtually only likely would have raised questions about whether it broke parliamentary rules, wrote Global. So they're covering for the Liberals, saying they can't even do this virtually, even though we've been doing Parliament virtually for most of the last two years. Somehow they can't even do that. So no, we've cancelled democracy, we've cancelled the rule of law, and the, and, and the legacy media is doing what they do best, which is cover for the Liberals. So on the same vein, the second news story I want to talk about is sad news out of Ottawa that Tamara Litch was arrested on Thursday evening. You'll remember that she was the original organizer of the GoFundMe campaign. She's also become sort of a spokesperson for the campaign. She recorded sort of a, a teary message on Wednesday evening, sort of predicting that she was going to get arrested. She seemed really distraught about it, but she was prepared to do it. And so I guess the inevitability uh, happened. Joe Warmington tweeted this out Thursday evening at about 8.40 local time in Ottawa, breaking Freedom Convoy organizer Tamara Litch has been arrested. And there she is. You can see a picture of her earlier that day. I believe that's with her daughter um, that, that was tweeted out by the Freedom Convoy. But this is this is just sort of a sad moment for the Freedom Convoy. We know that Tamara has been a fighter and a warrior all the way through. She seems like a tremendous person and seeing her get arrested uh, signifies that this is all just coming to an end. And uh, again, probably inevitable that they were going to break this up, but it, it is finally happening right now in Ottawa. We'll keep bringing you updates from the ground of how that plays out and how that police operation plays out, how this thing finally ends. Uh, third story I want to quickly touch on before we get into Fake News Friday here is that there was an actual terrorist attack in Canada yesterday. Yes, there was a terrorist attack. Uh, no, it had nothing to do with the Freedom Convoy. It wasn't in Ottawa. It had nothing to do with the with the thing that the Trudeau government was engaging this Emergencies Act and pushing our country into wartime measures to confront uh, a couple hundred truckers in Ottawa. Um, meanwhile, actual terrorists in northern British Columbia attacking a oil and gas site, a natural pipeline work site near Houston, British Columbia. So Stuart Marr tweeted this out. He said, disturbing news of domestic terrorism in northern BC. 20 axe-wielding attackers set upon security guards 
early on Thursday at a natural gas pipeline worksite, one Mountie injured in an arson attack. Unbelievable stuff. The pictures here are really, really shocking. So I'll read from the news release here with the uh, RCMP out in Houston, British Columbia, which is up in northern BC. Please respond to acts of violence on the Martin Forest Service Road near Houston. And so it says this, it was reported approximately 20 people, some armed with axes, were attacking security guards, smashing their vehicle windows. It was initially reported that some Coastal GasLink employees were trapped inside, but all managed to leave the area safely. Unbelievable, unbelievable, True, truly acts of violence. You can see they, they set the site on fire to try to stop the police from getting them. They flipped over large vehicles, uh, com completely violent with axes, destroying private property, uh, setting arson, uh, setting fire, uh, which was endangering security guards and the police, and basically not a peep from the media, not a peep from the Trudeau government. I, I, I wonder whether Chrystia Freeland is going to be freezing these 20 individuals' bank accounts. Will she be freezing their bank accounts? Will she be treating them like terrorists? Will she be freezing the bank accounts of anyone who donated to this cause that are paying for these eco-radicals uh, to be wreaking havoc up in northern BC? Well, probably not. Probably not, because this is happening in a working-class blue-collar area, so no one in Ottawa cares at all when it's happening over there. Unbelievable stuff. And I think that's a good segue into our regular episode of Fake News Friday. So for that, I am joined as usual by my producer and True North journalist, Harrison Faulkner. Harrison, hey, uh, thanks for joining the show today. Yeah, Candice. Well, as you know, we've been covering this for 25 days or so, 26 days, I believe it is, our, our count. And every single day, the legacy media continue to provide us with just as many examples of, as possible as to how how they are so opposed to this movement and, and their rants, which they just put out on Twitter every day. Uh, and we have a lot to get through. So I'm just going to read to you a couple of these, a couple of these takes from the legacy media journalists that, that show just how opposed they really are to all of this. Um, the first one that we have is from Rachel Gilmore. Uh, and she was so shocked to see that these protesters were having a pig roast. Although that like, as, as if that was the worst thing she had seen here, she wrote in all caps, a pig roast. Jesus Christ. She couldn't believe that these protesters were, uh, were, in, were enjoying some, enjoying a pig roast because they were, they've been there for so long. So it just shows you. I, th I think this is like a cultural divide, Harrison. Absolutely. I, I, I know, like, I know that a lot of people have pig roast as part of like, you know, maybe a Sunday barbecue, watching football or something. It's sort of like a cultural, I wouldn't even say like a working class thing, but maybe a more of like suburban rural thing. And the fact that she was just beside herself and the great thing about twitter is it gives us a a, a window into the minds of these elitist legacy media journalists so they're sort of stream of consciousness they can't help it they put it out there and it just shows exactly to your point like how 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 culturally opposed they are uh to to these people it's much more of a cultural issue than it is a political issue in my mind oh absolutely and and they're just so shocked it's like they, they've they've never been they've never been faced with faced with the opposing cultural uh, the opposing culture like this. So really it's quite, it's quite humorous to see them all do this. And, uh, I know on your show yesterday, you taught, you touched on this tweet. This is from Graham Richardson, a CTV anchorman who basically went out and publicly stated that he was really enjoying the process of doxing, uh, people who had donated to the, to the give, send, go. He wrote, have spent the last two days calling local people who have donated to the trucker convoy, including a former MP, several business owners, healthcare professionals, and a property developer, trying to understand why they support this very few calls back, which 
Uh, I'm not at all surprised, but clearly he was. And then he responded saying, oh, it appears as though some of you don't agree with what I'm doing. Well, no, no, Graham. Uh, a lot of people don't really like when journalists go and dox uh, citizens, do the government's dirty work for them. What a, what a surprise there. And this, well, and also just yeah. like the, this idea that journalists are harassing citizens for a private donation. A lot of these donations, Harrison, were very small dollar amounts. So you're talking about fifty, hundred dollars, and in in return, these people are getting shamed. But look, I've I've gotten lots of messages from people, both firsthand and secondhand. Uh, like like someone will show me a message that someone sent them, or someone sent me to Russia. People are afraid. People are really, really afraid that the government is criminalizing. The, the, their dissent, that, that a donation that they made a month ago will somehow retroactively make them a terrorist today. And, you know, you and I can kind of laugh and joke about how, how silly that is and how o overreaching the government is. But I, I know from, from messages that I'm receiving that some people are very scared. This is putting a chill um, in the hearts of Canadians. They don't want to be treated like terrorists. They don't want to get their bank accounts frozen. They don't want their credit cards or their mortgages cut up. And this is a very real threat and, and a very dangerous situation. And the fact that the, that the media is out there doing the Trudeau's dirty work, it, to me, it's exposed how corrupted the media are, how these journalists are, are and, they're, and they're so out of touch, Harrison, they don't even realize what they're doing. They, they're, they're so naive about it. They're like, oh, oh, some of you don't agree with me doing this. It's like, it's like, do you understand the severity here? The government is telling you if you donated to this campaign, you could be treated like a terrorist. They're equating peaceful protesters in Ottawa with terrorists and the the, the idea of what Ter like what we do to terrorists in society, like like we unperson them, right? Like they could go to jail, they could lose everything. And I, I, t to me, the fact that the journalists are out there, I'm, I'm happy again that they're putting it out there on Twitter because they're being exposed. And you can see a lot of these tweets really get ratioed, not just by the sort of us usual suspects here in Canada, but by big international accounts, big accounts from the UK, Australia, and the US, maybe some of these journalists are getting a little bit of a wake up call, like, wow, these practices and this behavior that I'm carrying on isn't, isn't, isn't acceptable and it's not okay in a free society. Well, it's, it's really maddening because in journalism school, the fundamental, one of the fundamentals that they always tell us is that journalists are supposed to speak truth to power. They're not supposed to wield the government's power for them and to use the government's power to crush dissent on behalf of the government. It's, it's really something I, I've never seen before, and I'm surprised these journalists are so, are so proud to be doing that work. It's, it's frankly disgusting. Uh, and, and speaking about that, um, as you said, Candace, they are, the government is using this terrorist language to paint these protests, which is very, very dangerous. These are Canadian citizens who are just exercising their right to peacefully protest. Um, but to, to go with that, these journalists, this, a Quebec journalist wrote in, in Quebecois, which is a, which is a French language newspaper. Uh, she, she, she's writing these tabloid style headlines in a newspaper calling the protesters of the freedom convoy COVID Taliban's. So basically going as far as she can to paint these, paint these freedom protesters, many of whom I had the opportunity to speak to when I was in Ottawa, uh, who were our true uh, salt-of-the-earth Canadians that are fighting for their freedoms. Well, the, the journalists are now doing the government's dirty work and, and labeling them as terrorists. And, and Candace, before we move on, there's another tweet that I, I found to be very, uh, very enlightening as to where these legacy media journalists are coming from and, and where their coverage is coming from. Mackenzie Gray, who's a part of the uh, Parliamentary Press Gallery, um, was covering one of the Freedom Convoy organizers' press conferences. 
And he wrote, The convoy leadership also reiterates they have no intentions of acting outside of the democratic process to get any of their goals. And he says, after that, I would wager that it's never a great sign when you need to add that asterisk to your remarks. So, so I wonder then, uh, I wonder then, Mackenzie Gray, what, what should they say? Because you are the, they are the ones, the, the journalists are the ones that are painting these organizers as people who are trying to overthrow the government as terrorists. So what are they supposed to say? Are they just supposed to say nothing? Are they supposed to say that, in fact, no, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to make, make claims about how they're not trying to act as of the democratic process. It's, it's unbelievable, Candace, and really it just shows you how far our media has fallen. And, and Well, it's like, it's like a trap, right? They set it up. So it's like, it's like, hey, these guys are here to overthrow the government. And then they go, no, we're not. We're not here to overthrow the government. We're here to act within the democratic process. And they go, well, the fact that you even needed to say that begs a question of whether it's true. It's like, I'm only saying that because you keep saying the opposite. And, and it's like, no matter what they do, these journalists won't give them a fair shake, won't paint the honest truth. This is why... <laughs> everyone knows this is why no one trusts the media like this this journalist is a snake he's transparently showing us what he truly believes going into overdrive doing everything they can to smear these truckers thankfully many canadians are seeing through that unfortunately many are not trudeau is using their rhetoric and their language to justify this emergencies act and this assault on our democracy it's 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 a cycle and yes it's transparent for us to see but it's happening and it, the fact that it's allowed to happen is not a good sign for our our country harrison no absolutely not and, and the the government is really playing into this with the media the legacy media they are they have now made a move and we found this out through a black locks report which basically stated that the uh, speaker of the House of Commons, Anthony Rota, is now offering reporters armed guards at taxpayers' expense um, after the parliamentary press gallery complained it was troubled by Freedom Convoy truck drivers. So Parliament Hill guards are now going to be accompanying these legacy media journalists as they, as they, as they basically spew this biased reporting about this trucker convoy from inside. Now, um, and this is a quote. This is a quote from Elizabeth Thompson, a CBC reporter, who said, "Personally, I felt a little uncomfortable because there were all these guys roaming around the street, um, and there was, and and she had to wait for the commissioner each time to actually open the door. Um, some were quick, some were quite quick, others not so quick. If there was ever a situation where a member was being threatened and had to get into that building quickly, uh, you know, so they're really playing into this." that these these truckers, these protesters are dangerous and that the press need to be shielded from these protesters. Now, I was in Ottawa, like I said, I had the I had the opportunity to go down and see for myself what it was like. And that is just not at all the case, Candace. I freely roamed through the trucks. I talked with truckers. I was welcomed inside some of their trucks to speak with these people. These are not at all people who would who would threaten journalists. And the very idea that that the that the government is now playing into this is really, really disheartening. Well, it's so true. Like, let's, let's just go back. The truckers have been there for 22 days. How many assaults have there been? How many attacks have there been? How many people have been assaulted or attacked in, in any way, shape, or form? How many journalists have been attacked? 
Uh, the answer is zero. The answer is zero. Sure, there has been some arrests. There's been some people who have acted out. But but as far as, as, as violence and assaults, there just haven't been any. And, sh you know, the fact that you walked around freely, uh, Rupa Supuyama, who writes for the National Post, she's also, she lives in Ottawa. She's been walking around. She's a person of color. She, she you know, she's a woman. She's had no problems whatsoever. So this whole, like, moral panic that, that the journalists are promoting, the fact that they're unsafe. Again, this goes back to culture in my mind, Harrison. I think that, that, that there's a cultural divide, these uh, you know, very frail, upper middle class, um, like teetotling, pearl clutching journalists uh, are, are, are just very afraid of, of like working class blue collar men in, in their town. And, and it's so it's so patently obvious. Well, here is Sean O'Shea, a global news reporter who is doing a report on the ground taking advantage of his layers and layers of taxpayer-funded security. You can see he's with the RCMP and with his private security. I don't understand how it's necessary. Like 10 feet uh, over, you see uh, True North's Andrew Lawton, and he doesn't have any security, and he's just fine. So this, this whole idea that he needs it um, is, is kind of laughable. But I want to play this clip, Harrison, because um, he, he also talks about how the protesters are wrong and the beliefs that they hold are incorrect. So let's play that clip. Well, uh, Tracy, to give you some perspective here, we're surrounded by, we have private security, we have the uh, police around us because many of the protesters have been blaming us, complaining that we're telling them not wrong story, which is not true. So he's, he's, he's saying that the protesters believe that the media are at fault for saying, for the narrative about the truckers. And he just says like, blatantly, like as fact, that's not true. And it's like, what do you mean? Of course it's true. The fact that the that the police are there right now, the fact that there is a emergencies act, the fact that they're treating this like an insurrection is because the media have spent the last three, four weeks now calling this an insurrection, calling us an occupation, calling this a siege. The media ramped up the language. The Trudeau government took advantage of that. This is this has all been coordinated. And yet we're supposed to believe um, that that again, the journalists are the true heroes. Just just ask them because they will tell you they are they are the true heroes of this freedom convoy, Harrison. And this this is sort of speaks to a broader point, I want to pull up this this uh, story from CTV Atlantic because I think it, it's it's a great parallel of how the media again work in lockstep with the woke left and the Trudeau liberals to try to demonize and uh, just put beyond the pale any sort of conservative or anti-government, like broadly people who want smaller government. They jump to equate that to being racist, anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic, and far right. So here here's a story. Out of New Brunswick, it says, a commissioner says Fredericton COVID-19 protests include racist symbolism and imagery. So apparently the New Brunswick government has something called a commissioner on systemic racism. This individual's name is Manju Varma. And she issued a statement Tuesday stating that she reviewed materials from social media from an event held outside the provincial legislature and found racist symbolism referencing white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and far-right extremism. So Harrison, you might be uh, wondering what, what was this racist uh, imagery? What was this white supremacist far-right extremism symbolism, um, it was a don't tread on me flag. It was it was a very common uh, libertarian. I, I think I used to have one of these flags um, on my office desk when I was like 22 years old. 
don't tread on me, very common uh, message that people like to say to the government. It just basically means limited government, leave me alone, get out of my life. It, it, it is a widely held sentiment across society. But apparently, according to this commissioner who's, who gets paid um, to try to find s examples of systemic racism, um, she has to reach pretty far to say that a don't tread on me flag is somehow an example of that. But again, I think this just goes to the broader cultural uh, idea, the, the idea that the media drum us up, that um, they're trying to demonize any kind of conservative thought or conservative protest as being something nefarious, something beyond the pale, something that's not acceptable, and basically trying to equate all conservatives or all people who just want like small government, responsible, limited government, um, equating them with some kind of a scary far-right racist movement. It's, 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 it's a sad sign of, of what's happening in our society, Harrison. Well, I just think that because they, they've seen the don't tread on me flag at Trump rallies, that automatically uh, that, that automatically makes that flag a racist flag. And, and of course, at a freedom rally in Canada, it, the expectation is that people are going to fly flags that are all about having their freedoms, all about making sure that the government gives them what they promise to give them, which is freedom in this country. And it goes so far, Candace. Uh, that even the state broadcaster has been putting out articles which say the word freedom itself is is becoming a common a common term among the far right and that it's a useful rallying cry for protesters. Well, it is a useful rallying cry because freedom is what everybody wants. Freedom is the goal of most people in the world. That's why they come to Canada in the first place because they're promised in this country that they'll get freedom. But I want to read part of this article because... I can just read quotes out of it because it's so absurd. So the article begins by saying the word has become common among far-right groups, experts say. And then, and then the article just goes on to say, the concept of freedom can be used to reject equality. To see the word freedom bandied about as part of these protests points to a broader circulation of what Elizabeth Anker calls violent forms of freedom. Freedom is a slippery concept, <laughs> said Anker an associate professor of political <laughs> science at George Washington University. And then, and then she goes on to say, on the far right, individual freedom is often translated into somebody who refuses to be bound by norms of equality, treating all people equally of no or norms to remedy inequality, whether that's trying to remedy racial discrimination or gender, gender discrimination. So that's just a classic uh, leftist word salad uh, article there from the CBC. But Candace, they are they are now basically saying that those who use the word freedom, those who want freedom, like most people in this country, I think, are actually just parroting a a far right talking point, which is well, that's just absolutely absurd. Yeah, no, I saw I saw a headline. I can't remember exactly where it is. I'll try to find it. But it it said um, that someone had spray painted the word freedom on a wall, and the headline said. Um, anti-vax uh, protesters, uh, something about how, how it was like an anti-vax slogan. And it's like, how, how is freedom anti-vax? How is, how is the concept freedom a violent, something violent? Like this is, this is, this is uh, you know, it's not funny. It's like Orwellian, uh, like concept creeped here that, that something uh, so basic and, and so universal as freedom, you know, a, a word that it appears Throughout our national anthem, you know, throughout our constitution, <laughs> throughout even the um, the guide that we give to newcomers to Canada, like freedom is so core to the Canadian identity. 
that, that it's synonymous with Canada. And yet here we have the CBC telling us that experts, there's experts out there who, who say that, sl- that freedom is a slippery concept. Like it, it's, it's, it's such a parody of itself. And I think, I think maybe this is a silver lining, Harrison, throughout this, this, the way that the media have covered this is that there's been so many stories like that that go viral, like in the negative way where, where our, our you know, English speaking cousins around the world uh, are sort of perplexed as to what's happening in Canada. And you, you start to get people from the UK, Australia, uh, you know, the US, th- throughout the world even India sort of asking like, what, what, what's going on? Are you guys okay up there in Canada? And um, really the, 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 the over the top wokeness um, is being exposed. And I think, I think that is part of the silver lining. We've seen that a little bit with, uh, I'll give you an example, Ilhan Omar, who is one of the most uh, left wing sort of woke. I, I find her to be uh, unpalatable and despicable in most of her views. She's, she's out, out and out anti-Semite. Um, and regardless, she, you know, she's part of the squad. She hangs out with AOC. She's one of these like cool, fresh faced, uh, new Democrats. And, um, even she was showing her total dismay and, and, and shocked at the way that the Canadian journalists were covering this whole freedom convoy. So, so she responded to a journalist from the Ottawa citizen who had put out one of those doxing stories about how this, um, store owner in Ottawa had to shut down because she donated $250 to the freedom convoy. So Ilhan Omar wrote this on Twitter. She said, I failed to see why any journalists felt the need to report on a shop owner making such an insignificant donation rather than to get them harassed. It's unconscionable and journalists need to do better. So, wow, I'm really surprised that I agree with Ilhan Omar, but good for her for jumping in and not just taking the knee-jerk leftist reaction like every journalist in Canada has done, but actually sort of looking at the situation critically and saying, wait a minute, why is a journalist trying to do this? There's no reason other than to get them harassed. Uh, Likewise, another Democrat, high-profile Democrat, Democrat Marianne Williamson, who's a former uh, presidential nominee, she wrote, Canada, are you okay? So we're, we're starting to see not just the usual suspects. I know we've had like big high profile Americans like Elon Musk, um, Joe Rogan, Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, they're all commenting and they're all helping us understand sort of the absurdity of what's happening in Canada. But but you're also starting to see sort of other people who who, who aren't on, on, on the sort of conservative side of the aisle stepping in and not only shining light on Trudeau and his terrible behavior, Harrison, but shaming the journalists and, and saying, you guys just really aren't doing your job. This is this is not fair. You even had, uh, this was a, a surprise, the New York Times editorial board put out an, um, an editorial backing the truckers and saying that they had the right to peaceful protest. Um, so, you know, you, you didn't even see that in Canada's top papers, the Globe and Mail, uh, the Toronto Star. They've kind of oddly been in favor of this uh, police military crackdown on peaceful protesters and it takes outside observers more neutral people who aren't tied up with the Trudeau liberals and all the inside drama the cultural aspects of this uh, to, to, to have like a fair sober-minded look at the situation and I, I really do think that they're shaming Canadian journalists I think that you, you do start to see some journalists in Canada asking better questions to the Trudeau government uh, kind of upping their game in terms of their role, which is to hold these people to account and expose bad behavior. And I, I think that that, that 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 we're starting to see uh, some movement in that direction. I don't think it'll be an overall uh, shift at this point or big win. But I, I, I do I do see glimpses of of positivity just in the fact that the journalists are being shamed from their international colleagues to do better. Yeah, and one thing, Candice, that I've heard from. 
American pundits is the idea that America always is, you know, um, a couple months or a few months behind Europe or Canada when, when their news happens. And I think there are enough people in the United States, uh, both on the left and the right, to recognize that uh, the precedent that's being set by the Canadian government here and how they respond to this is very dangerous because Ilhan Omar, as a as a far-left Democrat, her base are the protest, her protest class. And she is watching... Uh, the way that journalists are attacking those who engage in peaceful protest. And I think she sees this as a dangerous precedent. And we're seeing that on the right and the left in the U.S. and also in the U.K. as well. So I think, as you said, there is there, there are some glimpses of hope. I think, I think that Trudeau's credibility has been destroyed across the world by his response to this. And I think there are more eyes on Canada now than there have been in my lifetime because of the way that this government has responded. So my hope is that the people learn uh, that this government has overstepped considerably, that the people the people around the world uh, look at this government as, as a government that has lost its credibility. And I think that overall, um, that is that is hopefully a positive sign going forward, that this country is not going to hopefully make these same mistakes again. That's such a good point. All right, Harrison, let's leave it at that. Thank you so much for joining the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, it's been Fake News Friday. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show.